This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Oh my gosh, guess what? You have just found another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for picking this podcast. I know there are so many choices when you log on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and I appreciate whether this is the first time you have ever heard this show or whether you've listened to almost all 675 episodes, uh, 74 episodes, something like that. I appreciate that you're here listening to this. This show was originally started seven years ago. I used to call it Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We now call it Making Waves at Sea Level, but it's the same show. We talk about business advice, how to grow your career, how to grow a company. This is the place for people who care about growth-oriented business and career paths. And I'm really excited because today we are going to have a really interesting interview. But before I get to that, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. This episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. And if you listen to the show regularly, you know that I work, I'm a director at Stanton Chase International. So if your company is looking for that director level, VP level, or C-suite must hire, you don't want to do it alone. You want to find an executive search firm who can help you find that right person. And that means you want to talk to Stanton Chase. Reach out to me anytime. You can find me on the Stanton Chase website, stantonchase.com. All right, so today we are going to have an entrepreneur who I met last March at the San Diego Angel Conference. If you listen to this show regularly, he is probably, I think, the fifth company who I met at that angel investment competition who we've had here on the show because I was so blown away by everybody. All of the finalists who participated in the San Diego Angel Conference, they were all some of the most strategic and fun and successful entrepreneurs that I've run across. And so I invited them all to be right here on the show. And sometimes, because companies are growing and raising money, takes a little time. So it took us six months to get Craig here. But today we have Craig Mizrak, and he is the president and CEO of a company called Uplift. And the thing about Craig, this isn't the first time that he has started a medical device uh, company. This is the second time he has been in this medical type company. He is a serial entrepreneur in that medical device area. He originally started a company that he raised over $15 million for, and this is his second venture. And he lives in San Diego, California. He's raising a kid. He's a really nice guy. And we're going to talk business and how to make waves. Hey, Craig, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. Thank you very much for having me. I think it's very appropriate being here in San Diego where we can catch some waves 10, uh, 10, mile, 10 minutes behind me that we're on making waves. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know, so I live in Austin, Texas, but San Diego is one of my favorite cities in the world. And it's actually where I went to college. I went to San Diego State, go Aztecs. Uh, but I went there back <laughs> in the 80s. 
Now, San Diego State is the second most applied to college in America. And to get in, you've got to have like just a 4-0 coming out of high school. Uh, in my day, you kind of had to fog a mirror to get into San Diego State. It wasn't an impacted school uh, and, and all that. But uh, it was also uh, it was a little bit of a party school. But uh, we learned some things along the way. But I do miss San Diego from time to time. But I got to tell you, Austin, Texas is pretty cool as well. <laughs> exactly. No, the uh, San Diego State stepped up, uh, like you said, its admissions, but its business school's fantastic. The basketball program's fantastic. The football team ain't bad. I didn't go there. It's not a plug, but uh, here, uh, living in the community in San Diego for 22 years, um, it is a real great staple of the community. Yeah, and I do miss having the ocean right there. My, my senior year at San Diego State, I lived on Felspar right down in Pacific Beach and, and right there where the pier is, where the Crystal Pier is. That I call that my happy place. I used to sit on the beach at the end of Felspar all the time. So, so Craig, let's talk about your company. Let's get started. Tell us a little bit about Uplift, how it came to be, how you joined them, and, and where you're headed. Sure, thank you. Uh, so uh, Uplift, spelled with the Y, uh, Uplift is the first in the world FDA-compliant self-transfer system from bed to wheelchair for people with limited mobility. So I imagine the listeners uh, hearing this podcast may have had a parent, a grandparent, a loved one, or maybe they're a healthcare provider and have experienced the challenge of physically lifting an individual out of bed multiple times a day, every single day. Uplift is committed to providing independence, greater independence for individuals who want to live at home longer with the higher quality of life and also save the backs and necks of caregivers and loved ones who take care of them. So that's what we do. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about our founder, um, how I met him, uh, and uh, some of the other aspects of the, of the business and commercialization plan. Sure. So how long have you been with the company? You joined, I think, in 2018? Yeah, so I'm a hired CEO. So I mean, we're you, you, that can happen with some of these uh, infant companies, and and quite frankly, um, our contract manufacturer, who's also based here in San Diego, they were my contract manufacturing partner for my first company I founded. They 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 uh, gave me a call and said, Craig, we have a very interesting product here that we'd love to be a partner in commercializing. Um, but they have an 82 year old founder, so um, we've made the uh, suggestion that they bring on a CEO with experience who's not just commercialized medical technology, but also raise capital. And I had to evaluate it like an investor on uh, the market size, uh, the competitive landscape. And in, the, and, uh, in this type of uh, venture, the intellectual property, just as a couple examples. And in doing that after a couple of months, you know, we struck a deal. And uh, here I am today, three years later, and we really have the strongest momentum we've had uh, since I joined the business. So I love the fact that it, the founder was in his 80s. I mean, we live in this world where when we look at, you know, tech companies and med tech companies and things like that, we, we think, oh, well, obviously these are a bunch of 20-somethings who are starting these businesses. But the reality of it is, is the more, the older the founder, oftentimes the more successful the company is. There's actually statistics that show that, that older founders actually do better. But, but founding a company in your 80s, uh, that's, a, that's a little more rare, I think, than somebody maybe in their 50s. So let's talk about the founder and how he founded the company, why he founded the company, and, and did he have a background in, in growing a company? 
Yeah, and, and so I think what you said is interesting because as an entrepreneur, this having been the second company I've been involved with, uh, the first one I founded myself, uh, after that venture, I wanted to give back. And it, usually I felt like it's giving back to some folks in their 20s and 30s who it's their first it's the first time uh, founding a company. So even with the San Diego Angel Conference, it was unique in the fact that you have an octogenarian uh, founding a business. So Anton, Anton Simpson, our founder, um, he he's a pretty bright guy. We'll just say that. Triple degree engineer from MIT, Wharton MBA, 35-year aerospace engineer, and the story is just fantastic. Anton does not need to work anymore. He's retired. Uh, he's invented multiple products, has several patents, his name has had several companies that he's founded and successfully sold, a couple that have failed, as all, as all uh, good entrepreneurs do. And uh, but he had uh, a, 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 a real incident where a dear friend of his got in a car accident and uh, his friend was paralyzed from waist down. His wife, uh, his friend's wife called Anton and said, I can't I can't live. Pa- I can't lift Patrick out of bed. He's 275 pounds. I don't know how I'm going to manage this. And the good spirit that Anton is and the engineer that he is, he went into his garage with his tools, built his first uplift installed it in Patrick's home. Patrick used it for two years, the very first prototype, to be able to transfer himself out of bed into his wheelchair and his wheelchair back to bed. And from that, off to the races, filing patents, incorporating the company, and uh, getting into the next iteration, and, and actually eight prototypes. Uh, and that's when the point in time came where I was introduced to Anton. So that's amazing how the the business sort of got started. But if you think about the social impact of having a piece of of hardware that can do this for so many people who can't make that move themselves, this this is a big deal. So who are the types of people that your company is focused on serving? Who who is the ideal customer? Yeah. So you know, in the in the spirit of of of, of us raising capital, uh, you know, we need to talk about market size and the, and the breadth of of the reach. So. This is, we estimate, a $19.6 billion total available market. That's a function of what we conservatively estimate, actually, the U.S. Census Bureau says there are 3 million people in the United States that need assistance just to get out of their bed every single day. And our product that we're selling now in pre-order is a $6,000 price point. Happy to talk about that further. We wanted to price it similarly to stair lifts, which I know a lot of your listeners may be familiar with. And so that's an that's almost an eighteen billion dollar total 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 available market for direct home use, and then there is also the opportunity to sell this into hospitals, uh, nursing homes, rehabilitation centers, where again the driving force there are workers' compensation claims and injuries to healthcare workers from physically lifting. But when you're thinking about the individual human beings, this is helping. Our total available market is a function of age, so seniors over the age of 65, uh, obesity. Uh, we're manufacturing the device to uh, in our product roadmap for it to uh, be able to be used by people up to 600 pounds. The market today really is very limited in that it only serves under 300 pounds. But specifically, we have people who, with their mobility reduced, Parkinson's, muscular dystrophy, multiple sclerosis, spinal cord injury, uh, so ALS, uh, the list is pretty strong in our pre-order demand. It literally, I get tingles on this talking about it because you get these phone calls and it's just this new lease on life in some ways, not completely, to just be able to get out of bed by yourself, restore the dignity 
of getting out of bed and getting a cup of coffee, reading the newspaper um, is something truly powerful that we're aiming to provide. So when I met you back in March, you guys were still in in the process of, of raising, your, raising your angel round, and you are now actually into manufacturing the product and raising that Series A round. So what's been the biggest changes for the company in the last six months? Sure. Not 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 bad for the company that got fifth or sixth or whatever. Yeah. whatever we, we weren't counting. You were you were I, all I, everybody was a winner. Everybody everybody that. was a winner. <laughs> yeah, I say that tongue in cheek because as an entrepreneur, um, you know, it's not easy to raise capital. And in this case and and I, I think the world of the San Diego Angel uh, conference and everything Misty uh, organized and the team there. Um, it can be a beauty contest at times, but at the end of the day, um, that doesn't, you know, one competition doesn't define you. A lot of this stuff as an entrepreneur, um, no single instance defines you. So we participated in that. And quite frankly, it gave us a lot of visibility uh, uh, as an organization. And I actually started committing my full time uh, to the entity in the beginning of this year. And that really changed uh, a, a lot, uh, even with some of the initial capital. It's like a snowball uh, you raise that, some of that early capital, especially for a pre-revenue medical device company. That early capital is so critical, and to be able to snowball on that uh, is something that is real. And so since that time, since March, uh, we've raised over a million since inception. Over half has been in just the last five months. And so what's changed is, uh, one, customer validation, uh, market research surveys, demonstrations, uh, anything, and we also got pre-orders. We have a full digital uh, a digital uh, marketing channel that we established during COVID, an e-commerce platform. Anyone can find us on socials, on Facebook, on Instagram. And so that, as long as excellent team members um, doing their job, not just on the technical side with the prototypes, but also on the marketing side, really started to give us visibility in a way where some of our consumers or some individuals that are putting on trade shows for people with disabilities um, are ended up investing in the, in, in the business. And so uh, more recently, I'm happy to talk about this further, we, we've brought on two substantial executives that have written personal six-figure checks that have given us the capital we need to manufacture and fulfill uh, for our pre-order customers, which has really been our main uh, pre or, uh, uh, our main operating objective for this year. So Craig, you mentioned the fact that you've brought on some new sort of key hires into the company and across the board for companies at any stage, whether they're in this, this early stage growth period or much more established companies, getting the right people on the bus who can actually contribute and move forward is so important. So two questions around people. Number one, how are you finding the right people to put on? You said you had some really key hires who are helping. First of all, how are you sourcing them? And second of all, what do you look for when you're adding sort of those key team members? Yeah. So, so key. I, I'm a big believer in the jockeys and the team and, and great teams can take average technology and make an amazing company. Uh, I, I, I believe we're fortunate to have both. But um, one of the ways in my career that I've been successful. I'm an MBA graduate. I went to University of Virginia Darden School. Um, I've had really good success hiring MBA interns. So between their first year and second year. And actually, it was prior to COVID, I made the decision while I've given back a lot to UVA and hired MBA interns there, predominantly finance interns. Again, uh, I'm a finance accounting background uh, guy before I, be, uh, before I got in this entrepreneurial medical device space. Um, 
I wanted to support locally here, so I, I brought on board a. She was actually a first year student at the time that that wanted to devote some hours to our needs in marketing and digital marketing. And I'm proud to say that that experience and bringing her on in a very limited capacity while she was in school and then in a full-time manner in summers, you know, for a 10 to 12-week period, really fortified our relationship. Bria Demours is her name. She's uh, French-Canadian. And uh, we were ecstatic that when she graduated and got her MBA in May, uh, we were able to bring her on full-time. And so as far as what I look for in candidates, it depends upon the role. But there has to be, at this stage of company, an understanding uh, and appreciation for what a startup is like. This is not something where you come to the office, your computer's there, your, your, everything is set up for you, there's a coffee room. Uh, I've, I've, with even my last venture prior to COVID, had um, individuals and contractors and consultants work around the country. Um, a lot of that having to do with needing to be nimble. Um, in these pre-revenue medical device ventures, capital, uh, it can be uh, capital constrained and capital intensive at the same time. And so while people are most important, um, there, is, um, there is a need to have an awareness that, hey, we don't, we're not able to provide you know, massive you know, benefit packages, gym memberships, uh, things of that nature. So there has to be um, uh, an understanding of that. Or as far as their personality goes, I think cultural fit, communication fit, uh, uh, being able to work autonomously because in this type of um, in this type of venture, um, it's not one where I care to be or do I think it can be successful. Always looking over someone's shoulder. We have a weekly meeting. We create objectives, and then go, me get out of the way and let them uh, do their job and be great at what they do. And so that's how we've done it here bringing on consultants who are not asking for their handout with, with large retainers per se, but who express an interest in being an equity holder of the business and taking forms of compensation via equity or stock option. That means uh, that can help align uh, rowing in the same direction, having a long-term view and being in it, in it to win it um, in the long term. So those, those are just some morsels there for you. Sure. And you bring up a really interesting point. You, the example you used was, you know, hi, hiring the person in the early stage of their MBA and then hiring them full time when they came on. And someone like, like Bria, who is in marketing for a company like yours, the right marketing person, as you go to actually manufacturing the product suddenly becomes like a super important key hire. So in the world of marketing, why is marketing so important for a company at your stage? Well, it's funny because when we met, Bria, when I went to uh, University of San Diego to interview some of the students, uh, we were focused on a crowdfunding campaign. And I had read enough and had been advised enough to be like, to, to understand that that isn't just a situation where you go live and think everyone's going to come to you. It's a marketing effort unto itself uh, digitally. So I I think another key in, in successful businesses, especially with leadership, is knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know. And I know I don't know a lot. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I knew I needed to bring on someone who knew digital marketing, who had experience. Bria was a seasoned, um, uh, she had seasoned work experience for five years prior to get her MBA, um, uh, some in consumer products and a lot in, in events. And so uh, it was really geared toward the crowdfunding campaign. We did that on a platform called WeFunder. 
Uh, we raised $200,000. And honestly, we weren't even called Uplift prior to that. Um, so Bria's uh, foresight, Bria's talent, uh, Bria's um, creativity and, and, and creating our branding, we eventually trademarked. We own the trademark to Uplift. Uh, and then putting all the infrastructure in place uh, from the website, from order capture uh, to the socials on Facebook and Instagram primarily, those were all things really geared toward driving traffic to our site, either A, to see that we are accepting pre-orders, or B, to start getting some visibility on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, and by word of mouth. And so we did that for the crowdfunding campaign for actually our pre-order customers. And in the first of this year, we turned off the crowdfunding because we are completed it uh, with it and have now um, refocused everything on uh, direct-to-consumer for home use, for uplift, uh, digital marketing, and e-commerce. No, I, I think that's awesome. And when I talk to uh, really good and especially serial entrepreneurs, one of the things they always talk about is you get to that point where you have to hire the right marketing person and then trust them. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did in, in this in this situation. So that's great. So I've got some more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Craig Mizrak. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that so many of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. All right, so Craig, you know, as I think about a company that's growing and, and doing all the stuff that you're in the stage you're in right now, I want to look forward. What is in the future for Uplift? What does five years from now look like for Uplift? Sure. Uh, we, we do have a five-year plan, uh, and I would tell you that in five years from now, uh, we are aiming for Uplift to be the gold standard for safe and effective transfer, uh, uh, bedside transfer. And I, I think that when you, we have the benefit as a company, as I mentioned at the beginning, of having two distinct separate channels that we that are pulling and desiring our product. This is, again, for direct-to-consumer home use, Individuals love the self-transfer capability. There's no product that exists that can do that. And again, we, we, we live in a, and operate in an FDA-regulated environment. There's some reasons to that. There's um, some of our special sauce and experience in uh, navigating uh, the FDA and, and regulatory environment is part of that. Also, how to manufacture uh, in a way that um, adheres to quality control standards. And so uh, we believe that entry direct to consumer for home use is the low-hanging fruit that through not just digital marketing, but uh, direct response television advertising. I mentioned Stairlift as a comparable to us. Uh, uh, Tom, I don't know if you, you you see those commercials on TV still. They look like they're from 1980. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, that, grandma, uh, grandma, sits, grandma sits on the stair, pushes the button, and she goes to the top of the stairs. Yeah, it's those, those still run on TV. And you're right. It's yeah. probably the same ones they it, filmed in 1984. 
And there's a reason why that's still a commercial from 19 in the 80s or early 90s. It's on there. It's because the commercial works. And 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 there's some public information about you know one of the companies. It's about 300 million revenue, 40 million profitability uh, for direct to consumer home baby boomers, the desire to live at home longer, Amazonification of the home, uh, uh, health, uh, cons- uh, the, the health consumerism of healthcare. You know, thing procedures, devices that at once you had to go to a doctor or hospital to get a procedure or have access to a technology is now uh, being able to be made available in the home. These are all driving forces. Uh, insurance companies pushing you out of the hospital for insurance purposes and getting home health care. And so there's a lot of tailwinds as to over the next five years, why we believe this is going to be a hugely successful in the United States, at the very least in people's homes. But in the institutions for a second, uh, the reason why I say we are going to be the gold standard uh, for bedside transfer at many times is driven by medical professionals, medical institutions. And there's articles anyone gets on their iPhone today or yesterday about, you know, the nursing shortage in this country has been a problem for years, if not now, almost two decades. And with COVID now and everything that these heroes have dealt with and managed, it's borderline a crisis. And so just think about their backs and necks. 52 billion, 52 with a B, 52 billion compensation claims in the United States in the U.S. healthcare system annually. 20 billion of that, almost you know, 40%, uh, is due to back and neck injuries specifically caused from having to physically lift patients out of a gurney, out of a bed. And so these facilities, especially in nursing homes, again, with COVID, an industry uh, and nursing home chains, I, I have a very close friend, family that owns um, a chain of these. It is so challenging right now with the regulation, the compliance, the need to make sure you have a COVID-free environment, reductions in admissions because families are concerned uh, about enrolling uh, in, you know, having a loved one go into a nursing home. Um Think about the workers' compensation on their balance sheet. So this is real. And uh, with our patent protection, which is key in the medical device space, we have 14 issued patents. We have seven additional pending and some first-mover advantage. Uh, that's why we think we can be the gold standard uh, uh, for assisted for transfer bedside wheelchair. Well, Craig, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the future of Uplift. So if someone's listening to this and, and they are an entrepreneur – or they work in a company and they just have that drive to help the company grow. What advice do you have for people who want to get into growth mode with their company? Because that's obviously where you are right now. What advice do you have for people who want to get into growth mode, no matter how big the company is on how they can succeed and move to those next levels? Yeah, people make the world go around. So, um, Look, we, we're living now in very much a work-from-home environment, or the pendulum has swung that way. I know there's some folks going back into offices, and, and there maybe some of that's been delayed. But I think it's with the 18 months of COVID, people are sitting behind their computer screens at home. But there has to be some connectivity uh, with people. And I say that from the standpoint of uh, surrounding yourself as an operator and an entrepreneur with people 
um, that can help move the needle for your organization. It's not easy if you don't have a, a lot of funding. A lot of startups have the benefit of cash flow out of the gates. <laughs> uh, in the medical device space, you don't. You have to raise that capital, and you have to raise that capital from other human beings. So um, whether it's bringing on individuals, creative ways, through stock compensation, uh, through if you're in a sales-oriented environment, commission-only based, um, but adding those people to your team um, helps you move the needle forward. But as it relates to raising capital, you know, one of the benefits of COVID is, at least in my opinion for entrepreneurs, is there has been this embracement now by angel groups um, to put on pitches and to conduct a lot more business virtually, just like in other parts of business. I couldn't tell you with my first company how much it was dreadful to have to hop on a plane, to go somewhere, to present, and if it was an event-oriented thing, you're thinking you're presenting to a group of, of investors and you're presenting to a room full of other presenters. <laughs> and so that time, that exhaustion, you know, many people say when you got to raise capital, it's a full-time job in and of itself. Oh, by the way, you got you got to run the company too. And so um, get out there if you can safely um, to the extent there are networking opportunities or with these virtual pitches or with the angel funds and venture capital groups they are conducting a lot more business virtually, and so um, make sure there's that engagement, even if it's over Zoom, that you're having dialogue, that you're keeping timelines, that you're setting expectations out of the gate. It goes both ways about the amount of time that is expected to close an investment, um, so you kind of work backwards as far as the time it takes and then what you need to do to get a term sheet and then uh, due diligence, and so um, other than that, you know, have a good securities attorney to help you make sure you're not missing something as far as terms. There's vulture, There are plenty of vultures out there. There's plenty of money out there, but there's plenty of vultures out there. And just like I said before, don't be afraid to ask questions um, and, and use your two ears. And um, those are some morsels right there. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped up about everything that you've shared today. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you or they want to learn more about Uplift, maybe, they, maybe they're an investor, maybe they have somebody who needs your product. How do they find you? Sure. Um, or you can check us out at our website, uh, MyUplift, M-Y, uh, Uplift, spelled with a Y. Uh, any of our socials on Facebook or Instagram, MyUplift. Those are probably the best ways to get familiar with us. Um, you can always reach out to me personally, Craig at uplifthealth.com. And really, um, you know, we're raising capital, of course, interest folks that are interested in, in taking a peek at us uh, if they're an accredited investor uh, or otherwise feel free um, to reach out. But honestly, genuinely, our mission is to help as many people possible. This is through and through a social impact venture. So if you have a loved one or you know a healthcare worker, that think may benefit from just knowing that we exist, um, please introduce them to us uh, via any of the socials uh, or website I provided earlier. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for being here. I'm, I'm really thankful to the San Diego Angel Conference. They introduced me to so many wonderful entrepreneurs uh, who've been guests here on the show, and we'll just add you to that list of great people who have shared their knowledge here on Making Waves at Sea Level. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. I say it every single episode, if it wasn't for the audience why would I do this podcast? So thank you so much for being a part of this and do me a favor. If you like the show, go tell a friend. When I talk to people about how did you find my podcast? Number one reason I hear 
Somebody told me to listen. So go tell other people. Yes, I like those five-star reviews that people leave on, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So go do that also. But more important, go tell a friend. My goal is to make this podcast like a 1970s shampoo commercial. You tell two friends, and they'll tell two friends, and they'll tell two friends, and so on and so on. We'll just keep growing it. In the meantime, go out there, flex your business muscles, make some waves in business. And while you're out there doing all that, have some fun. Go have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.